welcome to Transforming Minds, Transforming Lives, a podcast series of RCCG Living Spring Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for our senior pastor, Boyga Esson. We share on the topic, the three P's of righteousness. Romans 10, 1 to 5. Brethren, my heart desire and prayer to God is for Israel to be saved. Verse 2. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they have been ignorant of God's righteousness, seeking to establish their own righteousness. They have not submitted to the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law, that the man who does these things shall live by them. Amen? The three P's of righteousness. The Bible makes us to know the passage that we read, that there's a righteousness according to works, and there's a righteousness according to faith. In Moses' time, they had to obey God for them to be blessed. In other words, they had to keep the commandments for them to be blessed. And they worked hard, but they always failed. Because God designed a process such that God had to make man see his frailty, see his weaknesses, for man to be ready for Jesus. So you cannot earn your way to God. No man can. Because God's standards are over and above. But somebody came to bridge that gap, and that's Jesus. So as we put our faith in what is done on the cross of Calvary, then we now are now qualified. It is God that qualifies us. You can't qualify yourself. Amen. Nobody can qualify himself to inherit heaven. It is God that qualifies us. So God brought Jesus Christ to qualify us and to make us partakers even of his divine nature. So there's a righteousness by works. In other words, you have to walk your way into blessings. You have to walk your way into all these things. But when Jesus Christ came, because he became sin for us so that we'll be accepted by God, we now have righteousness by faith. Amen. So by one man's obedience, many many became righteous. Our righteousness is based on his obedience, not our own obedience. So righteousness in this case, in this context, is a gift. It's freely given to you. So what has been freely given to you, don't work for it. Whatever thing you work for, after 30 days or maybe two weeks, you work, and then your boss, your employer is duty-bound to pay you your wages. But whatever is free, is free. So grace is free, Righteousness is a free gift. You don't have to walk your way. You don't walk for this kind of righteousness. Because the Bible says that he that knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become God's righteousness in him. So Jesus that knew no sin became sin for us. That's the first point now, the position of righteousness. So he that knew no sin became sin for us, that we through him might become God's own righteousness. So Jesus paid the price. He came he hung on the cross as a sin offering. Amen? So by putting our faith in Jesus, the Bible says we are standing on a platform of righteousness. The Bible makes us to know that it is by grace through faith that we are saved. The Bible says we enter into this grace wherein we stand through faith. Romans chapter 5 verse 2. We access the grace of God wherein we stand by faith. So righteousness by faith. We are positioned because of what Jesus Christ did to be righteous. Many times we say, oh, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. That's totally not right. I'm righteous by nature because I put my faith in Jesus. Because Jesus now lives in me, the seed of righteousness is actually in me. So I'm righteous by nature. When God looks down from heaven, he sees two categories of people. He sees the righteous and the sinners. He sees those who are in Christ and those who are not in Christ. That's God's criteria. 
And you know, we get confused because when I keep saying I'm righteous and my acts are not righteous, in this context, your actions are different from who you are. So you see, sinners who do righteous works, that doesn't make them righteous. If they are not born again, they do righteous works, it doesn't make them righteous. And you see righteous people who, from time to time, do foolish things, who sin. But that still doesn't make them sinners. When God looks down, he says to, we are righteous by nature. I'm righteous by position. I stand on the platform of righteousness because either knew no sin, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, either knew no sin became sin for me, that me through him might become God's own righteousness. Christianity is called the great exchange. My shame was poured on Jesus and he gave me his honor. My sickness was placed upon him. By his stripes I'm healed. He gave me his healing. My weakness was laid upon him and he gave me his strength. That's why we call Christianity the great exchange. We are one with him. When you're in a marriage, you are one with your spouse and you share things together. Divorce occurs many times because somebody is becoming selfish. Is that you are not sharing your body, you are not sharing your booty, you are not sharing your resources, you are becoming stingy with your ideas, you don't talk with your wife. But marriage is a union between a husband and a wife, and of course, it's a sharing of each other's life. What belongs to my wife belongs to me, what belongs to me belongs to her. And that's the relationship we have with Jesus Christ. We are one. We are one with him. So there are benefits of righteousness. I stand upon righteousness. I'm righteous by nature. Because God pronounced me righteous. I'm justified by the blood of Jesus. I'm justified because God pronounced me justified. God called me a just person. Amen. And you know, he did this so that we'll be able to approach his throne of grace. Brethren, it is so true that look, when you look at yourself, you see nothing good in yourself. But when I go to prayers, who do I see? I see Jesus. Because he is ever living, making intercession for the saints according to the will of God. He's sitting there at the right hand of Christ, advocating my cause, interceding for me. He's the high priest. Amen. In the days of Moses, the high priest was authorized to enter the Holy of Holies just once in a year. And what he would do is to plead with God. He would smear the blood of animals on the mercy seats. And that would qualify the people to make intercession, it would intercede for them and that would now qualify them to make prayers to God for the next one year. So God was atoning for their sins. He was overlooking it for a period. But now we now have a high priest who has gone to the Holy of Holies in the heavenlies. The very throne of God, the very room of God is gone there with his own blood. He smeared his own blood on the mercy seat in heaven. He's now even sitting at the right hand of God making intercession for the saints. And you know, in this dispensation, our sins are actually remitted. They are not just atoned for, remitted. When you remit something, it's no more yours anymore. It belongs to another person. So God says, I will throw your sin into the sea of forgetfulness. So I'm standing because of his righteousness. As a matter of fact, Philippians chapter 3 verse 9, Paul re-echoed the same thing. That look, I can't afford to say I'm righteous before God. My righteousness is based on what Jesus Christ has done on the cross of Calvary. And of course, in Isaiah chapter 54 verse 17, the Bible says, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, it says you will condemn. For this is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness is from me, says the Lord. You see, many times you have to realize there's what you call relationship, and there's also what you call fellowship. My children are related to me. I mean, they are my children. We are blood. I'm their father. But it's one thing for them to be related to me. It's another thing for them to have regular fellowship with me. They are related to me. Nothing can pluck them out of my hands. We are already joined, bonds together. 
by God. Amen. Even if I disown them, their mom will not disown them. And God is the father that loves like a mother. In other words, relationship, we are God's children. Nothing can stop that. Now, is one thing, you can be a child and not be in regular fellowship. You can be a child and be recalcitrant. You can be a child and be rebellious. You can be a child and be irresponsible. You can be a child and never listen to the father. You can be a child and never even talk to the father. These are possibilities. But it doesn't nullify the fact that you are a son, you are a daughter. The prodigal son went away from home. He was still called prodigal, even when he came back. So don't let Satan confuse you that you are no more a child of God. Yes, I am a child of God. And I say to myself over and over again, let the devil hear it. Amen? And I'm working on my fellowship. I'm trying to do that daily contact. Relationship again. Husband and wife relationship. So, we are one with Christ. We are joined with him by the blood of Jesus. And of course, you have mature children. You have immature children. You have responsible children. You have irresponsible children. But it doesn't nullify the fact that we are born again. You are God's own son. And God watches out for his own. Believe me sincerely. You can't say because your son hasn't been talking to you for six months and you got a distress call. Ah, your son is in the hospital. Or your son is in the police net. <laughs> you will go there and bail him out. You won't say because the boy has been so nasty to you. So let him rot in jail. <laughs> no sensible parent will do that. So if senseless parents will still go and bail their children from jail, how much more? You can't even compare the love of our parents to the love of God. They are poles apart. So because I fall, doesn't make me a child of the devil. He said the righteous fall seven times and they will get up again. Proverbs 24, 16. So if you fall, please get up. There's an act of righteousness. There's an act of holiness that you should master. That's how this thing works. So the fact that you fall or you keep falling doesn't make you a child of the devil. Amen. We are righteous not by works. We are righteous because of Jesus. By one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Adam made us sinners. I didn't have anything to do with it. He made me a sinner. I wasn't there when he was sinning. But because I was in his loins, the word Adam means mankind. I was in his loins. So automatically everybody delivered was delivered as a sinner. So Adam made me a sinner. Also, Jesus has made me righteous. I wasn't there when he hung on the cross. But I was in his loins. So now I've been made righteous because of Jesus. So I stand on that authority. I stand on that platform of righteousness. It's not by my work. It's not by what I do. It's by who I am. It's not by my performance. It's by who I am. And you see, when you get this thing so well, being precedes doing. Amen? Being will produce doing. In other words, I am who I am. A lion will behave like a lion. Amen? A goat will behave like a goat because they have goat nature. Lion has lion nature. So a righteous guy who is steeped in his righteousness will also behave over time righteously because he knows who he is. Who you have determines your outcome. Who you have determines how you behave. Who you have determines what you do. So I was made righteous. And righteousness is a gift that God gave to me. Romans chapter 5 and verse 19. I also have what you call the posture of righteousness. I spoke about the platform of righteousness. I stand on this platform. In, the, in what situation God clothes me, when I go to battle with the enemy, I'm clothed by the robe of righteousness. I'm secure in him because God will not leave me. He will not leave me alone to the dogs to eat. Amen. Now I also have a posture of righteousness. And you can call this an inward attitude, an inward disposition. is a mentality of righteousness. You call it righteousness consciousness. Because I'm righteous by nature. 
It's not about my performance. Yes, I will perform right, but who I am is, look, I'm righteous. I have this mentality of righteousness. And I keep saying that the journey from rags to riches is an inward journey. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The journey from shame to glory is an inward journey. The journey from being illiterate to being literate is an inward journey. The journey from sin to righteousness is an inward journey. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The Bible says, as water reflects the face of a man, so also the heart of man reflects the man. Amen. So I'm righteous by nature. I know I'm righteous. A righteous man may fall seven times. It will keep on rising up again. So my default in my mind is that I'm righteous. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, after Jesus finished raising up a girl who was dead, as he was leaving the place, some two blind men began to follow him, crying, oh, Jesus, the son of God, have mercy, have mercy. And they entered the house with him, and they asked them a question, do you believe? I'm able to hear you. And they said, yes, Lord, we believe. Say be it unto you according to your faith. Matthew chapter 9, verse 29. In the message version, Matthew chapter 9, verse 29, Matthew 9, 29, message version, say you become what you believe. That's a heavy statement. Say so you become what you believe. Become what you believe. Because your beliefs matter. Your belief system is your core. If you believe you're a sinner because you fall regularly, you will remain a sinner. Because over time, people become what they believe. Your belief system matters a lot. That's your core. Over time, what you believe, you will play it out. He told them, you become what you believe. He said, be it unto you according to your faith. So I believe I'm righteous. Even though all my actions are not righteous yet, but I believe it. And I say to myself, because faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness. Romans chapter 10 verse 10. With the heart, I believe. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. So I believe I'm God's righteousness in my heart. Even when things are not gelling, I believe. And I speak it because faith will speak. Faith will speak to contradictions. How do I know somebody who has faith? Somebody who stands his ground and speaks to contradictions. So my beliefs determine my outcomes. Who you are determine your outcomes. There's a being versus doing. So I first of all become it. And as I have that default, as I believe that, I will play it out. But I have to also know that this is who I am. I'm righteous. It's not based on performance. It's been given to me. It's a gift that God has bestowed upon me. You know, and for you to do something, you have to first and foremost become that thing. That's what the Bible says. In Romans chapter 4, verse 3 to 5, the scriptures tell us that Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteousness because of his faith. So when people walk, their wages are not a gift, but something they have earned. But people are counted as righteous, not because of their work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. Your belief system matters. I must believe. Faith costs things that be not as though they were. I haven't yet arrived there, but I'm calling myself that. Abraham was told by God to change his name to Abraham, father of nations. It was going about Abraham, Abraham, father of nations, Abraham, and people were mocking him. Faith will always say things before it happens. That's how I know it is faith. So in a nutshell, faith will always keep saying, so I'm righteous. I'm righteous. I remind myself, I tell my faculties, I let my mind hear it over and over. I tell Satan, Satan, here, look, I'm righteous. Not because of works, but because of my faith in Christ. That's what makes me righteous. And of course, the third point is the practice of righteousness. I spoke about the position, 
slash platform of righteousness. I stand upon the platform of righteousness because of Jesus. I spoke about the posture, your disposition, the consciousness you carry within you. And of course, the practice of righteousness. This is where we get it wrong most times. And this is also what you call the fruit of righteousness. And the Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 7, 1 John chapter 3, verse 7, say, little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he's righteous. He went on to also say in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, that whoever is born of God does not commit sin, because the seed of God remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So now I've been born of God. The seed of God remains in me. And that seed has to be nurtured, has to be cultivated for me to see the fruits. If you plant a seed in the soil, it goes through a process. One of the processes that it dies, which is why Paul said, look, I die daily. I die to myself, I die to my senses, I die to the flesh, I die to the world around me. So it goes through a process. That seed dies. After dying, it begins to sprout. It begins to germinate. It begins to come forth. But you know, even for the seed to do well, it has to be cultivated. It has to be watered. The weeds around us to be taken care of. It has to be weeded. The thorns around us to be taken care of. So it has to be nurtured for it to blossom. Which is why if you don't take your spiritual life seriously, you'll be in trouble. We don't see fruit of righteousness. We don't see holy conduct because we don't take our spiritual life seriously as much. We pitch our tent too much close to the world. And the Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 4, James 4, 4, say, Know ye not that friendship with the world is enmity against God? Say, whoever will be a friend of the world will automatically be an enemy of God. So in other words, because we pitch our tent so close to the world, you know everything about the world, you have little regard for your spiritual life. That's why you haven't been producing. That seed within you is not being nurtured well. You are not nurturing the seed of righteousness. That seed is meant to produce. That's the potential. That's the power. That's the capability. That's the ability within you. You are not allowing it to sprout because you are too close to the world. I mean, this man, Lord, he was very close to Sodom and Gomorrah. He went to pitch his tent very close to Sodom and Gomorrah. He saw the lusciousness. He saw the attraction, the allurement of Sodom and Gomorrah. And he went to live very close to Sodom and Gomorrah. But guess what? God still called Lot righteous. Say, this righteous man, when he saw what was going on, his soul was vexed. God still called Lot righteous. Bible says, this righteous man, living in the face of so much sin, his soul was vexed. But he was too close. He couldn't save his wife, couldn't save his sons-in-law. When the alarm sounded, that look, judgment is coming on Sodom and Gomorrah. He told them, look, Follow me. They said, no, 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 no. They were jeering at him because they were very much steep. There's a way the world would envelope you. Please, let's get this straight. There's an influence of the world. And if you pitch your tent too close to the world, you'll get burnt. It doesn't matter the title, whether you're a bishop or bishop. You have to manage your spirituality. This world is passing away. It's going by. Don't be caught up in the web. Tell yourself some sense. Even though you are righteous, the Lord barely saved himself, if not for the prayers of Abraham. And guess what? The Bible called him righteous lords. <laughs> so even though with all the craziness, he didn't lose his righteousness. If you are too worldly, the Bible says you make yourself an enemy of God. Clear. James chapter 4 verse 4. If all your friends are worldly friends, you don't have time for money devotion, you don't pray on your own, you don't watch any Christian thing, you don't watch pastor on YouTube. <laughs> 
Bible says we should be careful. That's the day of the Lord come upon us unawares. Because you see, this word can choke. It can kill your spirituality. So don't allow your heart to be overcharged with suffering and with the cares of this life. Lest the day of the Lord come upon you unawares. Say, beware. Beware. It was mercy that brought righteous Lord out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Mercy. And the Bible says, look, when you make the tree good, the fruit automatically becomes good. We have been made good by the seed of righteousness implanted in us. We have been made good by the Holy Spirit. That tree is good. So just nurture the tree. Nurture it. Work hard. Don't let anything stand between you and God. Work hard at the fellowship. Fellowship is always intentional. If I want to get closer to my children, I have to work on it. And they also have to work on it. Bible says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. So there's no relationship that just happens by happenstance. There's no fellowship that happens by happenstance. You have to work on fellowship. If I want to become your friend, I have to work at it. You want to become a friend of God, then work at it. Because invariably, nothing compares to the love of God. Nothing compares to the goodness of God. Nothing compares to the glory that is in the kingdom of God. God will help us. We are righteous by nature. We stand upon righteousness, and we have the ability to also practice righteousness. John, the apostle, said we should bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. We should bring forth fruit. If I'm actually a child of God, then I should leave it out. Yes, I know being precise doing, I believe it, and I will see it come to pass. But I also have to apply personal discipline. I have to take my spiritual life very seriously. I have to also apply personal discipline. I have to look away from the world many times. If all your friends are unbelievers, they will corrupt you. Evil communication corrupts good manners. That's the word of the Lord. It doesn't change. But God will help us. We will not be corrupted. Our Christian life will blossom in the mighty name of Jesus. And as we believe who we are, we shall become it in the mighty name of Jesus. It's my prayer God will strengthen us. For those of us who are already entangled, God will disentangle you in the mighty name of Jesus. Said even the lawful captives shall be set free. Isaiah chapter 49, verse 24, 25. In other words, those who have willingly entered into captivity, to say God will deliver you. As many legal captives who are there, I speak for your deliverance in the mighty name of Jesus. The lawful captives shall be delivered. The prey of the terrible shall be delivered. It doesn't matter. Maybe you have entangled yourself. God will disentangle you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening. And make sure you subscribe for more great podcasts.